Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked and behold, another, like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong it had great iron teeth it devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feast with its feet it was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns i considered the horns and behold there came up among them another horn a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, a and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so, you know, we have some some massive imagery here and we're, mm. we're going <clears> to <throat> kind of be getting into the apocalyptic um, and prophetic weeds of Daniel from here on out. And, you know, so Brad, uh, mm. one in the Muslim world, one of the big critiques of Christianity is that they say there's actually, you know, no record of Jesus saying that he is God or of claiming anything of that nature about himself, um, which you know, I think can be startling if if that's like a new sort of claim to you. And then you look and there, you know, Jesus, he didn't say much very plainly. And so you're not going to find Jesus saying, you know, I am God. I, I am, you know, of the Trinitarian nature. Um, but 
that is a very, very untrue claim. And, and there's many, many reasons for that. But one of which is Jesus often referred to himself as the son of man. Yeah. And if you read the gospel narratives, it evokes great, great anger and hostility from the religious like leaders. Like he was accused of blasphemy, as I recall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when he used and that so phrase. If you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, it might sound strange, you know, because it's like, well, Jesus is just calling himself the son of man. Why is he being accused of blasphemy? And, you know, here we have this famous son of man passage mm-hmm. in Daniel 7, where it speaks of this son of man appearing before the ancient of days uh, and he's given dominion, glory, and a kingdom of all nations, all people's nations and languages, which we should note that refrain of all people's nations and languages has been used many times referring to the temporary reign of Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. and Belshazzar. And so there's this transfer of kingdom from Babylon to the kingdom of the son of man. And it's this everlasting dominion, this undying man, this undying king. So very important passage today uh, that Jesus is going to build much of his ministry off. I mean, you know, just a, a common phrase of that is, you know, Jesus says the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Um, and so very important passage Brad, what Absolutely. are your what are your thoughts on Daniel seven one well, through fourteen? I like the way you put that. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three. <laughs> yeah, you got the two competing yeah. systems that that are all through the scripture, and we see this passage sort of putting a stamp on again where it's going to end. <laughs> yeah, which is a beautiful thing. Um, I, I do like you know the Son of Man thing, the phrase here, and and just the description. It's clearly, I think we can see like how that points to Jesus and why he would use that phrase. It kind of both the human and divine traits are, are kind of there. You, you see uh, coming on the clouds, mm-hmm. divine authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's given dominion and glory and a kingdom. It's not just like a human king. Like yeah. this is like, what did Genesis say also? Have dominion, like absolutely over everything. And uh, it's not just over a, a territory or what have you. Yeah. It's more than an angel. It's more than like a, a personified representation, yeah. like a king of Israel or something like that. This is like bigger, much bigger. Um, and so, and this is his most common title for himself, as Will said. Um, so, and, and I think that I think we should read our New Testaments <laughs> a lot differently when we realize the significance of this phrase and 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 in the, out of this passage. Absolutely. Um, so. Absolutely. That's my. Those are some thoughts just on that. Uh, yeah. Part of this passage. I'm yeah. glad that you uh, you brought in Genesis three. You know, there's one of the interesting things about the Old Testament is there's this phrase that'll be passed around uh, called the sons of God, and it's kind of referring to you know the these normally like angels mm-hmm. or like these cosmic authority it's a very mysterious title and you know we don't see it all the time but you know we we see it when god is kind of taking counsel with the sons of god like in job one and whatnot and what what's very fascinating is that in genesis 3 
you know, there's this cosmic warfare that starts mm. between the serp between God and the serpent. And God promises to crush the serpent. But the unique promise about it is that, you know, there's there's any number of methods in which <laughs> God could, you know, choose ultimate triumph over, you know, these fallen angels and, and the kingdom of darkness. And he promises to do it through the offspring of the woman. He promises that a son of man will be, you know, the the one who is triumphant over the serpent and over, you know, restoring the fall. And so it kind of creates this little question and answer throughout the Old Testament of, okay, is Noah? Well, it really Mm -hmm. starts with, you know, God promises that to Eve and then they have a son named Cain. It's like, is this the one who's going to crush the serpent? And then he fails. It's like, nope. Is Noah going to be the one who crushes the serpent? No. Is Joseph going to be? And, you know, we can kind of ask ourselves this. It, it, they all point back to Genesis 3. And the problem with having a son of man crush, you know, the powers of sin and darkness is that, you know, they're they're all just men. And so they all right. succumb in, in some way or another. <clears throat> or they're just flatly not powerful enough you know like joseph doesn't have like a great moral failure but he just isn't powerful enough uh to even crush egypt much less you know the the powers of sin and darkness and then in jesus we have someone who who fulfills this vision of daniel and he's both the son of god and a son of man and we see you know this it, I mean, it's why incarnation is such an important theology. Right. It's it's this all the power of God was pleased to dwell bodily idea, and so such exactly. such a a cornerstone of the Christian faith and of just the mm-hmm. theology of the gospel. Um, do you have any other thoughts on, on everything going on here? Well, I I think we'd be a little remiss not to at least talk about the first part of this the, yeah. the, the the four beasts and i think not to get into all the i mean it's it's worth a lot of study yes but but i think this is this idea of like god being somehow more glorified because when you see how this you know you know satan and the influence on kings and other kings and kingdoms that are against god right yeah has had and and you see these powerful Kingdom. Most people would say the lion. The scholars and people that have studied this, the lion would represent uh, Babylon, mm-hmm. which you see Babylon representing almost like all kingdoms that are against God in the big picture, right? But mm-hmm. you see Babylon, the wings plucked off, the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, you see this bear, which is thought to be the Medo-Persian uh, or Mede-Persian uh, empire, the leopard. Alexander the Great in the you know his conquest of the Persian Empire, and then you have the the uh, following by the followed by the Roman Empire, right? That, which was vast and more territory than any of these, right? Yeah, absolutely. The Ten Horns, and and you see this building up of <laughs> this these huge kingdoms that that uh, and so somehow I think seeing that that someday you know there'll be uh, the victory uh, through through the Son of Man, given the ultimate dominion somehow that there's there's maybe more glory like god is seen as more sovereign and supreme just he's going to work 
and all those kingdoms are going to be as nothing like yeah <laughs> compared to the eternal kingdom that, that these passages are, are pointing to and then revelation alludes to very closely absolutely um, absolutely i mean this uh-huh. vision of the beast is very epic and i mean i there's so many moments in daniel where i i just hope that your mind is immediately <laughs> just blowing up with revelation uh-huh. like the book of revelation and um you know the there's this chorus that i've mentioned before that uh is initially pinned in isaiah and then we're going to see it in revelation too uh, where there's this heavenly voice declaring fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would, I mean, I, I think I commended it on here, but the Bible project has mm-hmm. a series of podcasts and a video where they kind of dig into the theme of Babylon and it's this larger than life. You know, it's, it's not really Babylon. The idea of Babylon in the Bible really far exceeds just like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But, you know, it, it right. dates from the Tower of Babel, exactly. which is one of the first stories and, and definitely one of the first anthropological stories in the Bible. And then, you know, the last reference to Babylon is like somewhere late in Revelation. Exactly. And so the, these beasts, these kingdoms, this all this cosmic earthly kingdom versus God kingdom mm. and ancient and days and son of man stuff. It is so big that our meager, you know, fifteen yeah. minutes that we have on Hoodie are um, really the best thing we can do is is push you towards studying it more deeply yeah. and uh, pressing into you know as we're doing this life in Babylon series, which uh, is a series you know D's Omar he mentioned it for the first time like a year ago, and I've been so excited for it because babylon is a theme that we don't talk about a whole lot in the modern evangelical world and yet it's one of the most pervasive themes in the bible and so it's a great thing to press into and to spend time with these strange beasts that daniel sees and then pressing into that actually makes the dominion of the son of man all the more meaningful and powerful and absolutely so it 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 would service well and to use a, a fun word it would behoove us to to press <laughs> absolutely so for brad amen. yeah amen for brad smith this is will carlisle uh go do some homework and uh by all means do not let odr be your only source of bible study today <laughs> so we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm thanks for listening to our daily rhythm I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.